0: This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. From North State Public Radio in Northern California, I'm Jennifer Jewell. The idea of our gardens as habitats is not new to you or to me, and it's not new to my emphasis here on cultivating place. It's no secret to any of you that I hold our gardens as powerful containers for ourselves, our minds, our bodies, our spirits, for our children our communities of people, and our communities of planet mates, our companion plants, insects, birds, microorganisms, and so much more. As such, our gardens are model teachers and partners in forging relationships that heal us in all directions. My guest today Irish plantswoman Mary Reynolds has cultivated a deep love of her place in all its complexity and mystery, and as a land guardian, she listens to her place and works in partnership with it to move forward. Mary is known as a nature activist, and she often refers to herself as a reformed landscape designer. She is the author of The Garden Awakening, Designed to Nurture Our Land and Ourselves. And her early work in design, wherein she became the youngest person to create a gold medal winning garden at the Chelsea Flower Show, was the inspiration behind the 2015 movie Dare to be Wild. She has recently launched a new initiative called We Are the Ark. Mary joins us today via Skype from her home in Ireland. Welcome, Mary.
1: Hi, Jennifer. It's lovely to talk to you.
0: So I I really want to jump in. I'm so excited for this conversation, Mary. I have been a longtime follower of your work and your your passion and your voice, and I'm really excited to share it with my listeners. Get us started by describing your your current work in the garden, your your nature practice in relationship to plants.
1: Well, my my. My practice in relation to plants, you do you mean work in my own garden, Jennifer? I'm sorry. I
0: mean, mean actually all of it. I mean when I ask you that question, what comes to mind first for you? It might be your professional work, it might be your work at home as a mom or as a partner with your land. All of the above are part of what I'm hoping to get to. I suppose what's happened and it's
1: I'm I was I was forty-five the other day and Every year I get more and more aware of how far away from our true selves we have gone. And so every year I strive to move back towards that place. Um, And so at the moment I have come to an awareness that we are almost out of time to repair the damage we've done to the earth and to ourselves. And, um, it's a very heightened time of crisis and people all over the world are waking up to the fact that we have to, we have to change everything. So that, that's where I'm at with, um, my work, my life, everything. I feel like it's a time of crisis and it's a time of great hope and, um, I knew this time was coming all my life. I knew this time was coming. And it could go either way, but I do feel that it will go in the right direction. Um I think it's the crisis is right now. Um I I think for many people all over the world the crisis is much worse than the one we're facing. But um we have the ability to transform our society, our planet, our our, our world, but it's not going to happen from the top down that all this change is going to come from the ground up just mm-hmm. like plants we're going to, we're going to have to grow this change from the ground up because n- nothing is going to happen otherwise yeah. so we're all waking up to that i think
0: don't you agree i really really hope so but i do find um that i'm very much with with the way i hear you articulate so many of your um your passions and i feel as though especially the Informed and engaged gardener and gardening community, and I'm using big G's on both of those words to sort of help differentiate the different things that come to mind when we use the word garden or gardener. Um, I think we are among the most ready to 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 really lead the way forward.
1: Yeah. That's true. So we're, we're, we 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 realise that gardening is the wrong term, and it's guardian that we really need to return to. And that that that's a pretty kind of common term these days. Everyone seems to realise that that's where we went wrong, and um, our our whole our whole existence can be traced back through myths and stories and old ways of working. Um, and it hasn't been that long since we've forgotten all that. Um, but, I think I can trace it back to um the the uh kind of i suppose the influence of the of of religion um seems to have been when we all disconnected from who we truly are and religions through an understanding that power could be had through fear. And convinced everyone that it didn't really matter how we how we treated the earth because this whole place was just a preparation for the next life you know mm-hmm. so um not every religion obviously is like that but a, a lot of the more influential ones have been and so um that's when it's sort of the rot set in and uh <laughs> so now we have to we have we have a huge opportunity because a lot of us own land and um i think it's time well, owning is the wrong word. We, a lot of us are, are lucky enough to have land to look after, so it's time to step up and uh, and do something.
0: Yeah. So we've opened up a lot of really big concepts in just that one answer that you gave us, and I want to, for especially listeners who may not be familiar with your work, I'd love you to briefly just sort of take us through your your early years and what created you into a nature-loving, connected person that you became and briefly lead us to, to how you got to the garden awakening because there were some key moments in there that created some tense relationship with the word garden or gardener how you've come to approach it in this book. So, so give us that context as briefly as you can, and then we'll dive into the book itself and your more recent endeavours as well.
1: Okay. So um, I grew up in Wexford, it's the southeast of Ireland, and um, I grew up on a farm. And when I was young, everything was very alive still. There was still a lot of life in the land, and it's, it's very different now. But... Um, Back then, I, I, very, I had an experience, it was a very short experience when I was a kid where I wandered into a field. Um, I was, you know, I was young. I was between five and seven, that kind of age. And I wandered into a field at the top of my parents' farm. And, you know, nobody knew where you were all day. That was kind of normal, you know. And I wandered into the field. And I remember it was May because the hawthorns were flowering and I remember the smell very distinctly and I walked into the field and then I noticed something had changed and I looked behind me and the gap I had walked through into the field had completely disappeared and this this is actually something that has happened a lot in Ireland in kind of myth and magic and I didn't realize that until many years later but there was no way out of the little field and I was pretty frightened and I wandered around and Eventually, because I I just got distracted by the sunshine and the butterflies and I sat down in the the meadow in the middle of the field and and I just sat there and got distracted. And then I had that other feeling, which is I noticed that I was being watched and I looked around and I recognized that I was being watched by the plants and all the other creatures that were sharing that space. And they all weirdly wanted me to notice them which I found very unusual and I never really understood that until I started writing my book many years later um, and that led me to an und- I, I ended up going to college many years later to do garden design landscape design I fell into it because I fancied a boy in the course it wasn't like I always knew what I wanted to do <laughs> I just went into it that way and um. anyway He didn't last more than two weeks. And then I ended up with this degree in landscape design and started a business. And I really didn't like designing gardens. I mean, I was good at it, you know, I won awards and things, but I didn't enjoy it. And I knew there was something wrong with the way we were working with land, but I I couldn't articulate it. And it was only when I moved back to the countryside in the mountains in Wicklow, I moved into a tiny little cottage in Wicklow and I walked a lot in nature and um, I remembered the relationship I used to have and my understanding of plants and kind of different energies all around us that we generally aren't aware of or just don't give any attention to and so I realized I I was working badly I was only damaging things so I didn't really know what I was doing but I wasn't a very good designer in the sense that I wasn't very good at bullying people into doing what I wanted. So (laughs) nobody would let me design a garden full of wild plants, which is what I thought was the solution at the time. And so I went to the Chelsea Flower Show in London because I didn't know anything else, anything better about it. And um, that was quite a magical story um, and a magical time. Mm -hmm. And that's what the film was made about. Um, and. Anyway, skipping past that one, <laughs> but um, um, basically I designed a garden there that I designed with a particularly strong intention and the mm-hmm. land held the intention for me and reflected it back out. And the garden was called Charmanshee which means, in Irish, it means um, Sanctuary of the Fairy Folk. My intention for the garden, I, which I built there, which is full of basically what people would term as weeds was to remind people of how beautiful nature is and to try and protect it before it's lost, you know. Mm. Um, And when I stood at the garden, and it's like being in a zoo when you're in these little places, people all try and talk to you. And all the people that tried to talk to me were crying, which was quite phenomenal. And they all wanted to tell me stories of places they remembered when they were a kid that were gone now and that, that energy that they saw in this little space that didn't really exist three weeks previously in London, um, but the intention was held by the land. I, 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 it's a very simple and kind of obvious thing to say, but I asked that that was, you know, when I was building it and I told all the guys building it with me that this is the intention and they held that and, it, and that's what came through. So anybody who was Irish, kind of laugh and say, oh, it's just like home. Because back then, even so much has changed since then, and that was like 2002. But back then, everything was very um, alive in Ireland still. There was still a lot of life left here before the the use of chemicals has increased massively since then. So the, the life has gone out of the land since then. But anybody who is English or from different parts of the world would come up to me and they would be crying and they all wanted to tell me a story of a field near their granny's house or an apple orchard near where they lived or a rock at the end of their garden hidden mm-hmm. away somewhere where there was that energy and how it was gone now and they were all crying and grieving the fact that this is gone and that was where my journey kind of began yeah. in a way Yeah. and then so I kept trying to design gardens like that and I did that for a few years and then I realized that wasn't good enough that there's something wrong and so I I I was supposed to write a book about my work because of the film coming out and I started writing it but I wrote myself out of a job because I realised once again nothing I was doing made any sense and I was still controlling the land and still not listening to what the land itself wanted to become. So that's what the basis of the next book was. My um in, My understanding that the food system is current that we're currently using the industrial agricultural system, is poisoning us. The water, the land, all the other creatures we live with is poisoning everything. So we have to grow our own food, but we also have to allow the land to become what it wants to become. And so I mix those two concepts up because most land wants to become multi-multi tiered woodland. Mm-hmm. Um, it would become a dark canopy of woodland unless you know we step in and provide the ecological surrogacy. Um, services which we need to provide now that we've removed most of the large predators from our system but um, forest gardening is a system of growing perennial food in multiple layers in a very small area and so that's what that book was about and then I came around to understanding that none of those things were good enough and actually we're out of time now completely and that all of us that have any land need to step up and provide allow the land to become wild and you know, remove any lawns that we have and and to kind of scratch up the soil or, you know, um pour down cardboard and a little bit of compost and so wildfire meadow and reboot an ecosystem and allow the land to become wild and scrubby and brambly and thorny um because we have pushed life to the edge. We've lost eighty three percent of all um insects have been wiped out in the last 25 years populations of every creature is dropping rapidly because mm-hmm. they've nowhere left to go and anywhere they have generally is becoming poisoned by agricultural chemicals um and garden chemicals and and not only them i mean all the microplastics everything that we're doing is destroying everything that is supporting our life and our ability to remain on this planet. So because we're losing 150 to 200 species every single day, I don't feel like we have any time to waste. And I think what we need to do is at least consider the half-Earth theory, which means to give at least half of this planet back to nature
0: to bring it back into balance. I am going to stop you right there because we have so much to unpack in what you just talked about, Mary. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And it's fabulous. No, no apologies at all. Mary Reynolds is a force of nature. She is the inspiration behind the 2015 movie Dare to be Wild. She's the author of the book Garden Awakening, Designs to Nurture Our Lands and Ourselves. And she's the founder, instigator, creator of a new movement entitled We Are the Ark, in which Ark stands for Acts of Restorative Kindness, and in which gardeners are in fact guardians of the wildlife and wild nature of the world around them. Woven together, these nurtured garden-guarded spaces create a patchwork of hope for the planet. We'll be right back after a break to hear more. I really loved this part of my conversation with Mary. So far, in which we're exploring in with our lands, be they tiny gardens or sweeping wildflower meadows. I love my little garden, a small city lot, but with enough space in front, in back, and a sliver along the sides... That I can get quite a lot of plants in. When I think of these small spaces with which or with whom I spend a good amount of time and intimacy of sort with Mary's concept of intention in mind, how I hold an intention for this land, and she then holds that intention for me and reflects it back, I'm really moved. That's the only way to explain it. It kind of tugs at my gut in a good way. A responsibility and accountability and love kind of way which is exactly my intention with cultivating place if you're a sustaining donor of $10 a month or more to the program I hope you got your April garden life love letter this last week all about what a gardener looks like from Amanda Thompson I hope it made you laugh and think the way it made me laugh and think well Actually, it made me laugh through my nose, kind of, but it made me think pretty deeply about this concept. It's for all of us to think about and to act on. What does a gardener look like when that comes into our heads? And how should we maybe be changing this? If you love and want more Cultivating Place in your life, you can always subscribe to the newsletter, A View From Here, which is the email update I send out towards the end of each month. A new one will go out next week. These newsletters include botanical thoughts, plant information, reviews, and more, upcoming event information with me, and that I think you might be interested in. These are ideas, events, and musings I've been loving but haven't been able to feature on the show. You love the podcast, and I think you'll really love what I have to share in the newsletter. Head to cultivatingplace.com forward slash newsletter to sign up. Oh, and hey, if there are things you'd like me to include, mention, or talk about in the newsletter, send me suggestions. I'd be happy to consider them and add them as it fits. Now, back to our conversation with wild loving Mary Reynolds. This is Cultivating Place. I'm Jennifer Jewell. Welcome back to our conversation with Irish nature activist Mary Reynolds, who entreats us gardeners to wake up to the wild nature of the land we live with. First, I want to make sure you mentioned the movie, and I mentioned the movie in my introduction. I certainly don't want it to be a focus of this conversation, but from your perspective, so listeners know one way or the other— uh, is it a fair depiction of this magical moment in your life or fair enough that you would recommend people who are interested in the journey of your philosophical approach watch it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a really positive it's a really positive and uplifting film. Yeah, it's, it is. It's not exactly, you know, what happened, but it's, you know, there's characters in it that didn't exist. Like there's a girl in the beginning of the film who wasn't real. Um, but other than that, it's pretty... Sp- pretty pretty much on 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 point yeah okay good
0: that out of the way i want to come back to the word intention because it is one of the primary sort of threads of exploration that you get us into in the gardening um in the garden awakening and it clearly has evolved even further in your we are the ark and that initiative moving forward the the idea of right relationship and our relationship to the land we have the great privilege of being in relationship with whether that's a potted plant on our windowsill or whether we have an actual space of land around our home and you 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 talk about tracing back the the loss of this relationship as far back as the institution of Um, some of the bigger Western religions. Um, I think a lot of people trace it back to the the Industrial Revolution, to the World War II and the introduction of big chemical fabrication or production that then led into, you know, that was for war and then led right into the war that is the petrochemical industrial complex on our land and our living beings on this planet. Um, Wherever that kind of power that is accumulated and wielded from a not great intention, um, but an intention of control and power and profit probably, you ask us to reconsider what our intention is and what our relationship is with our pieces of land. No matter what word you use for that guardian, partner, co-creator, gardener, talk to us about that philosophical process for you of that right relationship and that that tool of intention that becomes really important in the garden awakening.
1: Okay. So, so what, what I, what I came to understand is that the earth is like this massive big heart. And when we started looking at it in terms of ownership, instead of in terms of guardianship, it shattered into millions of tiny pieces. And each of those tiny pieces are sort of separated by all these boundaries that we've we have pushed upon them okay
0: mm-hmm.
1: so my 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 hope within that is that we have become guardians of tiny pieces of heart, okay, so I think there is a there is the option now for us to step up and heal each of those little pieces of of the earth um, and create a patchwork quilt that will connect up and very quickly, if a certain percentage of the consciousness is shifted, I'm sure it will shift very, very quickly. Mm. So there is, within that concept of boundaries, um, there is this being with its own kind of personality and different levels of damage and different levels of um, everything. So for example, I try and give an example because it helps people understand. So I have some land, okay? And it is a very particular type of damage. And is is this kind of what you mean? It's quite a broad question,
0: Apologies. No, no, it is a broad question because it is a broad concept. And I I want you to walk us through your interpretation of it. And that idea of um, which I I found very beautiful and I really visualized how I would do it on my tiny piece of suburban land in Northern California. And so, yes, walk, walk listeners through exactly what you're doing right now.
1: Okay. so. I started to look at the old ways of working with land and I recognised that um, people understood that they had a relationship with the piece of land that they were looking after. And they understood that the land needed to know which part began with this, these people and which parts ended with these people and where the neighbours' boundaries were and all that sort of thing. And so it's just, it was quite a confusing concept, you know, but... Um, People here, and not just here, you know. This would would have been a late concept. This, like this, is after the, the 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 heart was shattered. Okay, this is like a late concept. This is after the religions were established and land became parcels, as opposed to one big body, which mm-hmm. it is underneath the parcels, of course. But you you can work with each of these little parcels and. What they used to do here is they used to walk the land. They called beat, beat beating the boundaries, to beat the boundaries. So you'd walk the land and you'd make, bang two stones together. um, Or you would um, sing. Or you would just simply walk and let the land know where it was ending and where it was beginning. So you'd walk the whole boundary and you'd let the land know once a year, this is the piece of land I'm working with and this is who we are. So then the land would hold whatever intention you had for it. Um, And I think that the the land's intention is held in the magic of the water within the clay or the soil. So my land, for example, is quite damaged emotionally in some ways and it's very similar to the way I'm damaged emotionally. And that seems to be the way, is that we are all attracted to places which require the same levels of healing as ourselves. (laughs) And so there is there is a like my land is has huge issues with abandonment and trust, and um it's quite the same as me, you know, so there is uh like people travel all over the world now and they all get attracted to different places and i I believe the land attracts them to it for a reason, and it just so happens it's very hard to fix yourself, but if you work on fixing the land and listening to Whatever needs to be listened to there, um, in the step-by-step process, what happens then is you fix yourself. It's giving attention to the issue, and it fixes yourself at the same time. But that's kind of handy. It's also handy that you're helping the land heal because it releases all the toxins and the and the rips in the in the in the
0: emotional kind of body of it. So, you describe this beating the boundaries so beautifully in the book and it you emphasize the importance of whatever land you're on and you consider to be in your care or you coexist with you emphasize the importance of just trying to listen first listen and observe what you are hearing and feeling and picking up from the land you're on and then and and you're you're very clear about pulling in um you know the the Irish old ways the current permaculture ways you know of of recognizing the 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 various approaches to this throughout time and and one of the things as a side note that I find so beautiful is how the old ways of your place in Ireland resonate with the old ways of what is now North America and the United States. The articulation of some of our most passionate indigenous plants people uh, very much reads in the same way. And so this idea of then walking the, the boundary, the physical boundary of this land you coexist with and just talking to it and introducing yourself to it and getting to know it and having attention, be part of the intention, is you walk through this very, very beautifully in the book. And while it might seem, you know, to people who aren't kind of land connected, but who are maybe longing to be land connected, you could easily kind of dismiss this in our modern day as kind of hokey. But the fact is, like, when you do it, it is so powerful. And I can see why all the people who came to your Chelsea garden cried because it is a remembering of a connection that is absolutely supposed to be with us.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. 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 And and that um, understanding that that piece of land is part of your family. Yeah. It's another member of your family now and that your job is to raise it as an independent, healthy being. Um and allow it to become what it wants to become and not force it into a pink tutu. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know? oh, I was, and, free- and, yeah. I was reading, it- you know, as I was reading the book, I'm looking in my back garden thinking, okay, I've got it wrong there. I've got it wrong there. I need to add, you know, a little more... Um, Leniency and a little more abandonment in terms of joy, not in terms yeah. of leaving relationship, but uh yeah. a little more wildness in, in several areas and remind the garden that um I'm learning as I go. Yeah, this is
1: it. <laughs> and and that's that's the that's the key is to um and that's actually very interesting. That's that's the point where I lost my kind of It took me a while to realize that I had to go a step further than that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so the step further happened. I was sitting at my desk here one day last year and um, I work upstairs. And I look down over my my garden and um, a fox ran across in front of me and then a couple of hares ran. Now, it'd be un- unusual to see them hanging out together, you know. <laughs> Two hares ran across. Um, and then a few minutes later, there was a little family of hedgehogs scuttling across underneath the hedge. And so I got out and I went outside and uh, and see what was going on because it was like Noah's Ark in reverse. <laughs> and, and so I went and across the road, there was this field which had been a massive brambles and hawthorns and skiox as we call them over here and wild plants basically that had been left alone had become a massive ecosystem all on its own from being abandoned um and probably had been a cleared field at some point anyway over the years it had become a thicket, and somebody had got planning permission to build a house at the top of the field and they'd gone in with a digger which is what everybody does without thinking it, thinking about it because you know that's what they do. And they cleared out the whole field with the digger and left it as a bare brown scorched patch of land. Mm. A whole acre of it. And then everybody that lived there with no thought for the, the creatures that we're sharing this planet with, they were all forced out with no thought for their lives or their families or their homes. And I realized in absolute horror that I have done this myself so many times. And that's when we are the ark was born, because this I had forgotten that we have we are sharing this planet with so many other creatures, yeah. and that they are desperate desperate for places to live and places to make families places to eat there is they're they're being pushed to the edge, and we are we are filling up the land with plants from garden centers that we think are pretty um it's just, we've gone so far away from the truth.
0: Mary Reynolds is a nature activist. In the beginning of launching a new movement worldwide entitled We Are the Ark," in which "Ark" stands for Acts of Restorative Kindness. We'll be right back after a break to hear more about this. Stay with us. Okay, so thinking out loud here. On her website, We Are the Ark, Mary writes An ark is a restored native ecosystem, a local, small, medium, or large rewilding project. It's a thriving patch of native plants and creatures that have been allowed and supported in reestablishing in the Earth's intelligent, successional process of natural restoration. Over time, this becomes a pantry and a habitat for our pollinators and wild creatures who are in such need. All we need to do is leave nature alone to lead the way and then support her to heal and thrive. We need to allow the land to rewild herself and protect it while she heals. So stop cutting it back. Stop spraying it. Stop trying to control it. This is a call to arms of a different type. It is a frontline battle of courage, hope, individual action. We have got to wake up to how linked we are to the planet beneath our feet. Our health is mirrored perfectly in the health of the earth. What reduces our stress reduces the earth's stress and vice versa. She gets sick and so do we. We fight to live and so shall she. We must create the island oases in these deserts. These oases will be the seeding ground for our new story to begin. They will be sanctuaries for as many creatures as we can fit into them. Safe havens for the magic and abundance in the natural world. These spaces will become the ark for the flood of extinction that is upon us. We are the last frontier and the last generation with enough time left to save this planet by the skin of our teeth. One person can cause such big change in this world simply by inspiring change all around you. One person, one patch of land, one decision at a time. It's up to us. Guide your land into becoming a thriving, living, wild sanctuary for as many creatures as possible. Wake up, don't turn away. No one else is going to do this work. The system is broken, badly caught in a web of its own making. This is a different type of web weaving. It's a web of interconnected life, interconnected magic, and hope. We are weaving ourselves an arc. Now back to our conversation with Mary Reynolds of Dare to be Wild, author of garden awakening, and founder of the movement We Are the Ark. This is Cultivating Place. I'm Jennifer Jewell. Welcome back to our conversation with Mary Reynolds. Her tag name on social media is Wild Mary Mary, and she explains her idea for returning half of our lands back to the wild. Welcome back. And that importance of both recognition on a personal basis and then redefinition of terms for those of us who, you know, might be trying the best we can to be in relationship with our land, but still have a ways to go in getting it as right as we can, um, I think is so important. I I was very moved by your TED Talk, in which you you really do call out the leadership of our nations and say, you know, the, our leaders are so-called leaders from the top up. They are not going to do this for us. They haven't, and they're not at this point. And it's going to be up to us. And it's never been more clear to me in the United States that if there is going to be a change in what we what we define as leadership and what we define as valuable and what we define as success, that's got to come from each one of us redefining it for our own selves, our land, our communities, and outward. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So just to get back to the book— um because we kinda jumped ahead to the ARC program and then we'll finish with the ARC program as well. Yeah. For, Sorry. for yeah, no, no. For readers who are interested in, in taking a look at the book and going through some of the steps, you you start off with this idea of Setting an intention and the importance of that and and in some way developing your intention after having listened to your land and yourself and and what the two of you kind of need uh, and and want in in this relationship together and then you go through the idea of the forest garden and wellness you you give some really nice examples of you know garden design for for lack of a better word right now, um, some some basic ideas for people to start being inspired by how to incorporate wild, incorporate food, incorporate habitat. Um, and then you do a nice job of offering some alternative management practices. Because the fact is that if, you know, for any gardener who is new new to gardening or new to land Relationship and care, you 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 need to 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 learn some of these things. If you're already deeply invested in gardening as you've always done it or known it, and um, you need to relearn some things, I think these are very good resources for people. Can you walk us through just you know kind of give us the essence of each one of these sections?
1: Okay, so. I think there's. I think it's. Is it three or four sections to the book? And it's been a while since I've opened that book. It now. starts
0: with the forest wellness, goes to yeah. garden design, goes to the forest garden, and then finishes with the alternative management practices.
1: Okay, so, and in, and in, in initially, it's all about kind of, um, listening to the land, and it's kind of um about basically being quiet and seeing what feelings emerge there and kind of acknowledging that they're probably the same ones that you have yourself in terms mm-hmm. of things that need doing. And just acknowledging that the land is a real, that the land you're working with is a is a living being mm-hmm. and that it it in order to form a relationship with it, you have to give it attention and listen to what is required. And then and I and I'm very clear on how to do this. That probably sounds vague, but in the book I, I'm very clear on how to do that. Mm-hmm. It's very step by step. It's yep. not it's not difficult. And then the understanding that if you are going to design spaces within your land, that you have to design them within the shapes and patterns of all the things found in nature already. So um, everything in nature follows the same patterns and shapes. And if you stay within them, then you're staying within the flow of universal energy. You're not blocking it. And that's that's very important. So I help people design the spaces and. Um, using those shapes and patterns and different different shapes and different patterns also have different um frequencies and intentions of their own and so if you have an intention for a space and you want to hold it in the garden it's often helpful to use different ones depending on what their their um you know what the 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 intention you have is so it might be you know, that you want to create a space for healing. You might want to create, um, a place where the magic, um, of nature is dripping out of every leaf. Hmm. You might want to create a, um, let's see, a, a garden where you can really connect into, to ancestors or, you know, there's all sorts of different reasons mm-hmm. for having a place. So there's, there's just kind of multiple layers of you're 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 very lucky if you've land to work with because you basically have a big magic pot that you can it's like a universal post box where you can send out your wishes and intentions from. And once the land is is in connection with you, it'll 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 it's like it's like a magnifying glass for all those intentions and <laughs> wishes that you have. And um so you're like crea- your it's like you're, it's like you're you're knitting you're weaving this magic spell in this land that you yet li- you live in mm-hmm. and and that and that by allowing and supporting the land to become healed and well and full of life you find the land is willing to support you back to create a very powerful and magical connection and um and the food that you grow there will have will have um very strong healing for yourself and your family because like every single plant has a has a connection with um, when the health, when the soil is healthy and hasn't been dug over, which is, you know, how you destroy all the microorganisms is by digging it. And, and if you create a no dig kind of permaculture situation, it's a different situation and you're restoring the health to the soil and the life comes back into it. Mm-hmm. And every single plant that lives there has a relationship um through its roots with these microorganisms like the fungi the mycorrhizae and the bacteria and the other creatures that live in the soil they 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 get fed with carbohydrates from the roots of the plants through photosynthesis and in return they go off on the web of 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 mycelia beneath the soil and they the bacteria break down and release um nutrients and the mycelia transport them back to the plant and whatever the plant needs these creatures get and so, if there's you know there's an interaction between your bare feet and the soil, yeah, and the enzymes in this in your in the the soil react with the you know the enzymes in your skin i I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting it all mixed up now but the bacteria basically interact with your skin, and you know they get to know what you're missing from your diet, and they will supply it through the plants um it's like a it's like this really interesting um Interaction because because they want to support us and they'll give their lives to do that and and that's really interesting because I've really come to the understanding that plants are absolutely as alive and have the same feelings and emotions and um, family connections that we do and it's a very difficult and painful reality that we have to kill life in order to survive here and therefore in order to get through that pain of that reality we have to be in constant service to the land that we we are in relationship with
0: mm. yeah and then let's finish with a little bit more about the we are the ark program that um and I'm not sure if program is the right word but we are the ark initiative that you are um encouraging people to to take up what are the are there details to it where can people find out more are there specifics to it or is it the general idea that every single garden should provide as much habitat to as much life as it possibly can whether that be the beetles the birds your children other mammals
1: okay well I I myself and um, my manager and um her partner we made this website it's it's a not it's it's not for profit it's called we the and it's to give people step-by-step instructions on how to build an ark why we need to build an ark what an ark is um all the resources and links they might need they can download the whole website as pdfs so they don't have to sit looking at a computer screen the whole thing is free it's it's a it's my effort to try and start a movement to um to pull the extinction crisis that we're living through back from the brink um by turning every single one of us into warriors and to guard our pieces of land like warriors um to guard it and raise it into a a strong wild place as as much of it as we can mm-hmm. if, if and and not just gardens, I want people to go and put signs in their garden saying this is an arc with the website under it so that people who look in and think that's an absolute mess, what are they doing, <laughs> won't won't make them ashamed of it. They will maybe take a take the time to go to the website and see why this is important. There's how to build an ark for a garden on the website. There's how to build an arc for schools. There's how to build an arc for commercial situations. I don't know how to, to get this movement to take off and it's such a simple idea. And it's such a, re, it's such a, it's just, it's such a good idea. It doesn't cost money. It. It isn't as straightforward as abandonment. It's It's not about putting in plants that are good for bees and butterflies. That is not what this is about. We have to step back and allow the seeds that are already in the earth to come out, to trust that nature has way, way more knowledge of how to cope and how to restore health to herself and all these creatures than we do by this idea that we somehow think that by putting in certain plants that it's helpful. Yes, it's helpful, but it's much more helpful for the local genetic diversity of the insects that live in that area for the native plants to come out and be allowed and um, thrive because they are the plants that they have relationships for millions of years with. They're the ones that are plant specific to those specific insects in that area. We we have to allow what is in the land to come out. We have to stop controlling it. We have to give at least half of any land that we have back to nature and and it's very, very simple um if you can try and involve yourself in it by watching what comes to to, to stay there, I mean overnight, it's almost like it's almost like all these creatures know within wouldn't I don't know what it is. it's like they all arrive overnight practically suddenly mm-hmm. your garden is going to be full of life. It is absolutely. The most empowering and fabulous thing that people can do these days is to turn your land into a healed patch of this earth. And the more of us that do this, we can connect this up. We also have to we also have to try and grow as much of our own food as possible to step out of the industrial agricultural system, which is absolutely destroying it. But there's no way of changing that unless it's from the ground up. and the only way they will change is if we stop buying their poisonous food. And and so in the meantime, we have to throw a lifeline out to nature, and give her somewhere where we can hold the seeds of life for everything to be restored as soon as we all wake up and cop on. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you yeah. cite uh, you cite this statistic in in the book, uh, and it's certainly been cited on my program many times. But the the millions of acres in North America that are dedicated to maimed poisonously. For the most part, maintained green lawns that could be converted into habitat and life giving space. Right there, we have a lot of work to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: There you go. It would be, it would be a huge. That could change the ecological future of that continent. It, it yep.
0: really could. And it, it would set a model for every other continent that it is a valuable thing to do. It would.
1: I'm sorry for my dog barking no, no. in the
0: background. <laughs> We're it's an arc. It's okay. Um, <laughs> is there anything else you would like to add, Mary? Um, I would like people to really
1: to to go to the website and and really take their time. It's I've spent six months writing it. I i i i was going to write a book, but I thought no because I don't want to make any money from this. I want people to just just take it on board and own it themselves and grow it as the wild thing that it can become, you know? And I, so I would like people to, to consider making arc signs and um, putting them into like schools into and in showing kids that, you know, k- there's this whole concept of shifting baseline syndrome mm. where children, and us, yeah. We we have forgotten what nature actually is. You know, when we were young, you'd chase butterflies all around the garden. These days, children hardly ever see one. Yeah. So they think that's normal. Yeah. We, and when we were young, we didn't know it was normal that the seas were murky. You know, the, there was oyster beds the size of England near us and they kept the, the sea crystal clear. Now it's murky because we've dredged all of them away. Um, There was shoals of fish, Leaping out of every crevice of the sea. Now they're almost gone. You know, we 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 we've almost killed all the life here. So we have to we have to find a way back. So if we can even take like industrial places and places that have been abandoned, edges of railways, and put signs in saying this is an ark, then perhaps. It will open people's eyes to the importance of those wild, scrubby, scrubby places that actually they're holding a huge amount of life in there. Just we can't see it a lot of the time. And just, just 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 to give some hope to all these creatures that are desperate for places to go, you know, there's nowhere for them.
0: Thank you very much for being a guest on the program today, Mary Reynolds. It's been an honor to speak with you. Thanks, Jennifer. It was lovely to talk to you. Mary Reynolds is a reformed Irish landscape designer, best-selling author of The Garden Awakening and Nature Activist. Director Vivian de Courcy made a movie, Dare to be Wild, about Mary's Chelsea gold-winning adventures. She is a proud patron of Wildlife Rehabilitation Ireland and strives to do as much as she can to re-educate people about how to live in harmony with nature on their own patch of land. To become, as she says, guardians as much as they are gardeners. Ever evolving in her own relationship to plants and nature, Mary's articulation of her new understanding about our right relationship with the land is called We Are the Ark, in which Ark stands for Acts of Restorative Kindness. In her Movement Manifesto of Sorts, she writes, we are all becoming more aware of our climate breakdown, but we seem less aware of the silent killer that is biodiversity and habitat loss, which is happening at a staggering rate and is equally, if not more, potentially devastating. With climate change, we might feel the impact in our everyday lives, But with biodiversity, it is not so clear. By the time you feel what's happening, it may be too late, Mary quotes Christiana Pasca Palmer, the UN leader on diversity. She goes on to say, whether we realize it or not, plants and all other creatures we share this planet with are key to our survival and continued existence on this beautiful planet. In basic terms, they clean our water, recycle our air, pollinate our food crops, and help us in myriad other ways that we know about and ways that we're only just discovering. The Earth is struggling to provide food, habitat, and water for all her life forms, including humans. We are not making her job easy. For those of us that care about the living world around us and are aware of the challenges we all face, this is a painful and desperate time. But, she goes on, there's hope. We have waited too long for changes to come from our leaders and politicians. We cannot wait any longer. The change must come from the ground up. It must come and will come from us." This is a call to step up and reassess our management of every individual tiny patch of the earth possible, she says. It's a call to the guardians of the earth to step forward and make themselves known, to raise their voices. We need to help the natural world and not hinder it. We have to invite nature and wildness back into our gardens, our parks, and every tiny patch of this earth we can to create sanctuary, food, and habitat for the creatures we're supposed to share this planet with and who in return help us survive here within a truly natural and beautiful environment. It's up to each of us to rewild our world piece by piece until we have a patchwork quilt of sanctuaries that wraps its way around the globe. We are the ark. We hold the seeds for a new earth. Things are only hopeless, she reminds us, if we do nothing. So let's do something. Let's build an ark. And make sure to join us again next week when we continue the conversation we started last week with award-winning architect David Abelow asking us to consider the nature and culture of our gardens from a more philosophical perspective. Cultivating Place is a listener-supported co-production of North State Public Radio. For more information and many photos from this week's episode with Mary Reynolds, please see the show notes under the podcast tab at cultivatingplace.com. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.